Award-winning author Nancy Castaldo recently visited Nature Lab to spend an afternoon with the Water Justice Lab fellows. She's worked on books about our planet for over 20 years from New York's Hudson Valley. She joins me now to tell us more. Welcome, Nancy Castaldo. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Your books incorporate a lot of research into many different issues, primarily looking at the environment and our world, our planet. Can you talk about how you got to do this work and your background? Well, my background uh, is basically comes out of a science background. My undergraduate degree, I, I double majored in biology and chemistry, um, knowing that I wanted to somehow go into something in the environment, but I also took photography classes and I was the um, president of the science club and also the co-editor of the literary magazine. And then senior year, I was able to do a fabulous internship at Audubon magazine. And I combined all of those interests into that internship. Uh, and the internship was supposed to be for six months. It stretched into a year. They asked me to come back. And uh, and I, I grew to really love uh, that end of the work. So I became a, an environmental educator doing uh, stints at a nature center in upstate New York and, and other environmental education programs um, around and writing. Uh, and then it led to a lot of magazine work and then into books. So that's a brief summary. <laughs> and this year alone, you had three books come out. But before we get to that, I just want to quickly give a teaser to the book that you're working on, which is why you were at Nature Lab. What is the idea that you're working on? So the books that we'll discuss in a little bit were all researched primarily before the pandemic. But during the pandemic, I didn't travel and I was working at home. And I, I really came back to um, a topic that's always been um, something that I've been interested in and has been close to my heart, and that's the Hudson River. Uh, I wrote a book uh, a number of years ago called River Wild, which uh, talked about rivers all over the world, and it was an activity book. And um, I decided to put together a proposal for a book focused on our own local river. And I've lived in the Hudson River Valley my entire life, so it it runs through my veins, so to speak. Um, and I thought it was a, uh, a, a topic that needed revisiting for me. So it was my pandemic book that has stretched uh, into uh, working on now and, and completing soon. So water is definitely a thread that you repeatedly visit. And the book, When the World Runs Dry, Earth's Water in Crisis, can you tell us a bit more? So I had written a book previously called uh, The Story of Seeds, which focused on food security. And when I was working on that, I realized um, how many issues in agriculture were tied to water issues, how food security and water issues really go hand in hand. And then I started to explore water issues. Uh, and, you know, if we really think about it, we see stories in the news every day. Either they're about water quality or water quantity. And I wanted to delve in that a little bit more and find out what is the sta state of water um, in the world right now? And how is that changing? How is that connected to, to other things like climate change and food security um, and our own health? 
So um, when the world runs dry really covers the gamut um, from everything from um, Flint, Michigan's lead water crisis to um, the flooding and the um, the loss of, of islands connected to Louisiana from climate change and, and sea water rise to locally uh, near me, Husik and their water crisis with PFAS. So it really stretched the spectrum of what we're facing and it caused by energy consumption, energy use, energy production, um, manufacturing to climate change. So the closest location that you just mentioned was Husik and the and the PFAS, something that we've reported on numerous times on our program. Uh, what, who did you speak to? What, um, how did you approach that story? Well, uh, I was fortunate enough, believe it or not, to be in Flint, Michigan, when I connected with Judith Ank, and um, she was a, a major factor in that. Um, it's funny that, you know, you travel all the way, I traveled all the way to Michigan to be able to connect with, with our local person here. Um, but we, we got chatting a lot more there. I was there, uh, at the, at the time to really delve into the Flint water crisis. Um, and we, we kind of got into that side track. So then I visited Husik after that and spoke to residents, and uh, and delved into it a little bit more detail. So that is um, a chapter in the book that's focused, of course, on water quality um, and how how that's being challenged at this point in many, many places with Husik being a case study for that topic. Another book that was released this year is The Wolves and Moose of Isle Royale, Restoring an Island Ecosystem. And looking at the relationship between these two animals and how it's been disrupted and human intervention is trying to restore it. How did you research this and and, um, give us a little bit more of an idea of what the book's about? This is, uh, you know, quite different from the water book, but um, uh, along the same lines of how um, how things are changing in our world, how scientists uh, make an impact, how we can all make an impact, and a relationship that actually, for me, started when I was in college and studied this predator-prey relationship between wolves and moose, which is the uh, the study that's been going on about these these two critters. Uh, is the the longest predator prey study in the world. When I studied it in college, it was fascinating. I followed the story after that and found so many things that have been going on since then. Um, the lack of wolves and how the island ecosystem had changed so dramatically, and now the need to bring in wolves. Um, similarly to um, to Yellowstone's reintroduction of wolves and how the wolves have have impacted uh, the the Yellowstone ecosystem now. So it was a fascinating topic to explore and uh, and dive into and go there and actually interview the the scientists that I studied, you know, back in college years ago. Wolves were in an, another book that I wrote uh, called Back from the Brink. Um, so it's it's again a relationship that I've kind of continued in my books. I tend to tend to do that. We don't leave our mm-hmm. research and we we kind of get attached to different topics when we're writing. It is an interesting topic as our society, humans tend to have domesticated animals and that creates a lot of contention. And 
many different countries. I know in Switzerland, I know people who don't like the wolves and, of course, in Wyoming and very, very interesting. Before we run out of time, I want to get to the book that on the day of our interview, November 1st, came out, Buildings That Breathe. There it is. It's here. It's finally here. Um, So yeah, this book is releasing today. It's the launch day. It's very exciting for me, of course, to to have see it in in its final form. Um, So this book really began with with me in Italy, uh, learning about uh, Bosco Verticale, which is a what we like to refer to as a tree scraper instead of a, a skyscraper a tree scraper. So it's a it's it's two towers that were built by Stefano Boere, designed by him um, in the city of Milan. And they have they're covered by trees. And it's just fascinating because he has constructed these towers, not with terraces that just hold trees, that these trees are built into um, their special planters. It's a green building and they actually know um, the quantity of oxygen that they're releasing and the pollutants that are being sucked out of the atmosphere. So they, it does breathe uh, in a way. It is, it, it are two towers that breathe. So in, uh, in researching this, I went to, uh, to Italy to the UN foreign for a forum for urban forestry back in the, at the end of 2018. And it was fascinating to find out all of the different projects around the world that are greening our cities from living walls to green uh, roofs um, to vertical farms. And of course, these tree scrapers, which are now popping up in cities uh, around the world. And even there's even a a forest city now in in China, all designed by Stefano Boere and now other architects have have are doing their own buildings. So um, it's a, a just, a, I think, a wonderful way to think about how we can change our landscape and how we can make our green centers, uh, our cities into green centers that can combat the heat island effect, um, that can help climate change, that can make residents more healthy. Um, there's just so many good positive things and um and there's a lot of folks out there that are working to do this we've only just scratched the surface of the work that you do so for our listeners who are looking for these reads and you do cater to a variety of age groups where do they get more information well they can find more information uh at my website uh nancycastaldo.com and your local bookstores um, have more information. There's there's other books on farming and and uh, for younger readers, picture books, as well as middle grades and young adult books. And we'd love to have you back on the show. Thank you so much. I'd love to come back anytime. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. <laughs>